Welcome aboard the Mad Pastors Podcast. Honest pastors, honest conversations. Powered by G6 Allies. You may now feel free to move about the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to see you guys. Mad Pastors. Um, it is a, is a beautiful fall day, what it should have been two months ago in September. Um, and I'm dating it a little bit, but I'm just going to tell you, I love this weather. I like when it's oh, yeah. cold. Every time uh, I walk out and it's cold outside and I see my breath, it's like a, hello, breath, my old friend moment. And I miss it. So, But it's kind of wreaking some havoc with you today, isn't it? It is. It oh, is. Some rough sinus stuff. But... So if Michael... Such is life. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, that's my daily burden, <laughs> I guess. Well, uh, man, I'm excited to, to kind of finish up just this particular Barna study. Yeah, it's been um, good. Yeah, and so... Been a good conversation around the reasons young people are leaving the church and mm-hmm. why, why, what we as pastors or church leaders can do to counteract some of that and how we yep. need to look in the mirror a little bit. It's not just on them. It's not They're not leaving just right. because... You know they're terrible and they don't love the faith or anything like that. Sometimes they're leaving because of what they have experienced and what church leadership has done or not done, and it's caused them to to kind of walk away. So there's some things that we can yeah. do as leaders to um, combat this approach and, and this decline in in millennial or Gen Z attendance. And so yeah, this has been a good. Good conversation and this one good is, pieces to it. Oh, yeah, no, I love it. And I think that this this last one that we're doing, and we have not done these in order in the study. We've just no. done them as we've done them. But this last one we're doing, I think, is really interesting because whereas I think, and we'll get into it, but so many people are simplistic in their view, God's Word is actually not mm-hmm. at all. And maybe you could say that about everything, but this one in particular is as hot button as it gets, and the more conservative you are at a church, the less you talk about it, but the more you judge people for right. it. So, uh, Michael, what is today's? So this reason that young Christians are leaving the church is because uh, young Christians' church experiences related to sexuality are often simplistic or judgmental. Fair enough. Uh, and here's here's their the direct quote from... Um, Barna on um, what this what this means. With unfettered access to digital pornography and immersed in a culture that values hypersexuality over wholeness, teens and 20-something Christians are struggling with how to live meaningful lives in terms of sex and sexuality. One of the significant tensions for many young believers is how to live up to the church's expectations yeah. of chastity and sexual purity in this culture, especially as the age of first marriage is now commonly delayed into the late 20s. Mm-hmm. So research indicates that most young Christians are sexually active now as their non-Christian peers, even though they have a more conservative attitude about sexuality. So here are some of the statistics on this. One-sixth of young Christians, so 17%, said that they have made mistakes and feel judged in church because of them. They've, they've made sexual mistakes and have been judged in church because of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue of sexuality is particularly salient among 18 to 29-year-old Catholics, among whom two out of five, so 40%, said that the church's teachings on sexuality and birth control are out of date. So that's that's Barna's recap or their summary of this reason. Crossing Protestant lines even. And uh, yeah, and, and so they 
they highlight a couple of things that uh, we want to yeah. discuss today. Um, it's interesting, too, because it, it is such a, I mean, I, first of all, even now in the last few years, sexuality has become a huge topic for a lot of reasons, again. Um, and then, and we've watched, you know, sexual revolutions, uh, you know, the sixties and seventies, we saw that happen. Then we saw more happening in the nineties with homosexuality and that movement. And this is not really getting into that, but I think that it should signal with us that, that in God's design of us, that sexuality, gender, the act of sex, sex is a verb are all incredibly deep and intricate parts of who God made us to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why, I mean, as far as the church goes, that is why I think this is always a battle, right? Go to go to the Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, right? And it is, it's crazy, the things Paul's dealing with. And it's not too much different than the porn people look at today. You know, Paul's like, well, some of y'all are bragging about sleeping with your stepmother. Stop doing that. And, yeah, that's, you know? that's, not, that's not good. Don't do that. And so, I mean, I would recommend just not to do that, first of all. But... But no, I here's here's I think there's a story that I think illustrates this very well. Um, I was at a church, a very conservative church, and like I said, this is something that everybody gets judged on, uh, or that, that the church can be incredibly judgmental on. God's word is not. In fact, God's word is very it's very clear about it. It's very it does have a line, but then there's also grace and love to bring people back. Whereas there's sometimes in the church, people that don't understand it or can't understand it or they don't feel like they can just push people away. But a couple of stories about this at the same church, on one hand, um, I had a girl who, or a a mom who her daughter had had a child in high school. Um, and yes, as a, as a Christian parent, she was not a very good Christian parent. I don't, this doesn't mean you have to be a bad Christian parent for that to happen. But essentially this girl went to, it was a large student ministry too. And she showed up and eventually just was ostracized by the pastor, by the other people, mm-hmm. and pushed out, which is such a travesty, and how they, they should love and bring her in and walk through that with her. Um, and this girl was just, she she just walked away for years and years to the point that there was never healing or restoration or repentance in any of that. It was that she still somehow was employed by the church, but living with her boyfriend under her mom's roof. I mean, it was a really weird situation. But because that nobody had worked through any of that, it was just in this limbo of brokenness. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the other hand of it, I got a call from a really concerned parent, and they went, "My, I told my daughter, my daughter was talking about sex, and I heard some about some stuff with sex going on at their school, and I don't know what she's doing, but I told her, I said, I'm just gonna call her Jenny. She goes, I said, Jenny, the devil wants to take your virginity, but don't let him. <laughs> and I went. Okay. Good, good advice. Yeah, I don't. I don't good know. Advice. That's true. And so you know, it's all of that to say, don't give your virginity to, to the, the devil. devil. And that's uh, good. I like it. And so I that should think, be a T-shirt or a well, bumper sticker. Oh no doubt. But that is where. But in these places, they would talk about all that, and then what I would bring it up to students in a in a very biblical way, but in a clear way to say, listen, this stuff's out there, and it's not okay. And I would give the reasons why it's not okay, and we'll get into that. I met immediate resistance and fighting. And the, so much of the problem that I've seen doing, so the average age of pornography exposure or sexual experience is 10 to 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And when I would talk about this with 12, 13, 14, and, and would get very difficult questions from 12-year-olds, I love 12, 13-year-olds because they have no filter. So they just asked what they were dealing with. I would have uh, people come up and go, you can't talk about that stuff. And I'd be like, the reason I can't 
is what's causing all these other problems. Right. And you need to step up and be a parent. And the problem was I was having to be everybody's parent. And so as we get into this, um, I do think the church has dropped the ball on understanding the why in this argument. And we've just simply given the what. Mm -hmm. The what is, don't sleep around. Don't do it. And yeah, and that's not, God doesn't, that, of course, to me, as a pastor, that would make me angry because I'm like, well, that's just arbitrary. And God's not arbitrary. Mm -hmm. He gives reasons. And so I don't know why, I mean, we got so many pastors, they're fine sleeping around and getting fired for sleeping around behind the scenes, but they can't talk about sex from the pulpit. Maybe that's why. But but it's too much conviction there. So God designed you to have sex, to be horny, to do all of those things, um, but within a specific context, right? Yeah. So... I, th- I think you're right. There's um, the problem that we see what the young people leaving the church here because of this, this is symptomatic of the deeper problem. So yeah. them leaving the church is not because their view of sex is just fundamentally different from the church, sure. right? Uh, in fact, I, I love how the survey phrases that first one, the sixth of young Christians said they've made mistakes and feel judged in church because of them. Mm-hmm. They are acknowledging that it's mistakes. And, like, they know yeah. they've messed up. So it, it's not that we don't think that what we have done is wrong. It's that I know what I did is wrong, and yeah. the way you are responding to me makes me feel unwelcome, uninvited, like I'm not I'm not good enough to be here. And no matter what they're saying, both and, sides agree it's a big and, deal. It's yeah. something that's worth changing your life about. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I was in a church when I was in college. Uh, I was interning at a, a small church in Kentucky where I went to school. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a very, very fundamentalist church church. And so I, I was struggling. I was struggling with it yeah. uh, on multiple fronts, but <laughs> the nail in the coffin, um, we had a, a teenager who had gotten pregnant right. and her mom took her to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And we had, everybody had heard about, I mean, the news, the, the scuttlebutt was all over the place. Right? Everybody knew that this girl had had an abortion and that her mom took her to have the abortion. Uh, and then that next Sunday, they came to church, and the pastor and the deacons met her at the front door, met mom and daughter at the front door, and said, you are not welcome here. You're not allowed to attend. Golly. And I'm like, wait a minute. How? What, why Why would you do that? Why would you turn someone away who clearly yes. needs Jesus and is going through something very difficult? Like That's, what, that's yeah. our job. And their approach was she has sinned. She has made a sexual, not only has she made a sexual sin, right. uh, she has committed this heinous uh, act of immorality, and now she is unfit to be in our presence. I'm really and, glad that that's not how Jesus And I was Jesus done operates. after that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was like, I, I said something to that effect. Yeah, like, that is not how Jesus would have operated, and I, I can't be a part of this. And so I was yeah. done. I left. Um, but that is that is the issue that I see here, too, is that, uh, so many, so many people, and, and it's an insecurity thing, right? It's a, it's an insecurity and a perfection. I mean, it's an evil side of it where we're like, well, no, church is an operating room and you come into it sterile. Church is a car wash and you come in muddy and messed up and that's where God works on you. And I think that, no, I, I've seen that over and over and it, what a horrible, horrible 
testimony to who we are. Yeah, and, and so and that's and I think that's what this reason uh, that young people are leaving the church is picking up on. One yeah. of the things that they're picking up on is whenever we do make mistakes, mm-hmm. we feel judged by it. I mean, this this young girl was was certainly judged, and her yeah. mom was was judged uh, by it. And um, my I never I. I didn't know that family well, and so I didn't even have their contact info or anything, so I was never able to follow up with them. But I often wonder if if they ever went to a church again or if they just were done with it entirely. I probably would have been done. Um, (laughs) And so who knows what their their story looks like now. But uh, Hopefully they're still connected to Christ. It's it's just, it is a shame that churches have this judgmental attitude yeah. Doesn't mean that we go to the other extreme, and and we just accept it, right? right. We we talked about that a couple of weeks ago that we water down the gospel mm-hmm. to attract more people, but churches that are watering down the gospel are declining more rapidly than churches that don't. So right. it, it's not a that's not helpful either. So I don't think we water down our message and mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, you're you're having sex outside of marriage, or okay, yeah, fine, whatever, it. you know, yeah. no big. Who am I to judge? I don't think that's the approach that we take, uh, right. but still to turn someone away or to to judge them, which is a fun word that everybody loves to use. Right, you should make judgments context. about things, but I think when they say that, the real the meaning is condemn. That when we condemn somebody, yeah. like when we ostracize, I just that's a fair distinction to make. Sure, because we should judge people. We should judge ourselves. We should we should make judgments. Well, we we can't not make yeah. judgments. I mean, we're <laughs> right. going to make judgments about things. It's just part of life. Uh, it's just yeah. It's just but part Jesus of life. never said, "Don't." Ju-, when he said, "Judge not, lest you be judged," the term is talking about condemning somebody mm-hmm. and deciding, like like the pastor did at that church, you shouldn't be here. You're not worthy to be here. Get out of yep. here. Um, well, I, so the first couple things that st- stick out to me in this, one is uh, when he talks about unfettered access to digital pornography and immerse in a culture that values hypersexuality uh, over wholeness. I like the way that he he uses both those terms because it, it's interesting. We Everybody agrees sex is a big deal. It's big enough to leave the church. It's big enough to, you know, and, and to a, a large degree, what I think is so crazy is that most churches don't talk about it. And maybe pastors don't talk about it, not because they don't want to, but because they don't feel like anybody is willing to hear it or they're going to offend everybody, which is never a good reason not to mm-hmm. do that. But I, I do, I think that it's interesting that when you look at it, and there's this explaining the why and the repercussions and what's going to happen, I think that one of the worst things we can do in any teaching, sexuality or not, is to talk about something without talking about its effects, right? God mm-hmm. never God never in Scripture says... Now, granted, we are to follow even when we don't understand and work towards understanding, right? So that's one thing. But the other side of it, and part of discipleship in the home, this is very helpful in the home when parents <clears throat> actually talk about sexuality with their kids, and but they're not being discipled, they've not been taught that, so we kind of keep it quiet, and we're like, oh... Well, you are really, your biological urges are really crazy. You really want to have sex? Well, just remember, Jesus doesn't want you to do it. And that's not a good answer. Right. And and that's not the truth. And so I do think, is humanity any hornier or any crazier than they ever have been? No. No. Biology is always biology. Yeah. That's no different. It's how we've grown our species to billions of people. That's right. Um, But... And it's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. And sex is, I mean, I always tell people, and it's it, sometimes it garners 
Like, but I, I'll tell students, listen, sex is awesome. You will love it if you do it within the right context. Yeah. And and so when he talks about this wholeness, I think the other, other side of it is people are no uh, hornier or more driven to sex than they've ever been. I think that what is emerging is not even that pornography is new or the idea of looking and lusting is. It's not. But that, that it is now more available to more people than it has ever been. Mm-hmm. And so much... Yeah, more easily accessible than ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, 42... So there are 42 million pornographic websites on the internet. And the internet is over... At one point, it was over 51% mm-hmm. pornography. Um, it is... And that's a... I mean, it's a testament to how people seek to fill something that God designed them to with something that hurts them. But even looking at what I think is interesting is this happened years ago and is still happening, but uh, porn actresses and not, uh, not I saw this through ABC about seven or eight years ago. Um, one really famous porn star that was famous enough that people who were watching or not watching knew who she was um, because she'd done public appearances and stuff went on ABC, I believe, and and began to talk about how dangerous pornography is. Mm-hmm. She was like, I mean, she's making millions from it. She's acted in it. And she's like, you know, it's really, we need to put some limits on this because it is getting <laughs> out of hand and it's hurting people and it's causing like physically hurting people. And there's not a spiritual side in this because she's not a believer, mm-hmm. but there's this brokenness all the way up to a, a recent porn star who started speaking out and started a, a TikTok account just to largely speak out about stuff. And has done interviews where she's like, well, I, I, now she made, she was not sex trafficked. She made the decision. And there's this, there's this loss of responsibility where it's like, well, I was doing all this stuff and I'm really hurting and broken now, but it's the industry's fault. And it's like, no, no, no. Let's look at the ramifications of where that's going. And in fact, there is a, a researched link between uh, domestic abuse and pornography. And what we don't talk about very often is that uh, pornography essentially all it does is objectifies people and it turns somebody into a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. It turns women into breasts and a vagina and it turns them just into something for your pleasure. The same thing with men because now we're watching that actually rewire. There's some great books we can put the we'll have the links down below but about how pornography rewires your mind. It's it's an incredibly addictive thing. And we don't see, I mean, essentially, we have an entire generation of hypersexualized, strung out addicts who just don't have quite the the drop of somebody who's actually physically doing drugs. Right. And so, yeah, it's a it's a really dangerous thing. But I don't hear I hear pastors say, pornography's evil, get away, you know, or don't do it. But how many of us talk about the idea that it it ruins the wholeness that God has designed for you, but we don't live in a culture whether it's 40% of our country is obese and doesn't check what they eat, doesn't exercise, right? We live in a culture that whether it's pornography or food or whatever we have, um, we are constantly living in a culture that says, I just want what I want now and nothing is worth waiting for. Mm-hmm. And that that's the design. I mean, I think it's interesting somehow in, that... Instant gratification. Yeah, somehow mm-hmm. the church decided... I mean, sex is either good, God, or gross. Uh, one pastor put it very well. It's either good and we should have it when we're in, in marriage and God has made it as a gift, or my favorite is it's God, we worship it, or it's gross. So it's really gross, so save it for the one you love. And- yes. <laughs> Uh, but there is so much depth behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, one of the things when I look at this study, 
that I that I see particularly, and they they shift it to kind of the among the forty percent of young Catholics mm-hmm. say the teaching on sexuality and birth control are out of date, which. If you're not familiar with the Catholic teaching on on birth control, it's that any any form of contraceptive is immoral. That it's against because right. God's design for sex is procreation, and so to remove so like Catholic remove the, big. the possibility of procreation mm-hmm. uh, is is to violate God's design for sex, yeah. and and so that mentality that that view is considered out of date, along with just the teachings on on sex, which. Yeah. Catholicism is a lot more lax. I mean, the official teaching is right. is is you know very structured and within the confines of, of marriage between a man and a woman. But in practice, it's it's is it very also, loose. Do they talk about pleasure as well, or is it? Uh, I mean, because I do think that that is ple- a good point, well, but it's an incomplete one. No, uh, it's it's in. Is it strictly? They just say strictly the importance of it is its procreation, or it's a it's a good side effect. Yeah. Um, okay. But but the one of the fundamental pieces or the fundamental the essence of um, sex or the inherent goodness of sex is procreation. Sure. And so to remove that removes that core component of its goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, which which I think you know they they take it further than I would, but sure. I I think it's there's some value there and there's some things that Absolutely. Protestants need to pay attention to on the Catholic teaching of that right. because sex is about more than pleasure. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that's, that's a good thing about it, yeah. but it's, it is about more than that. Mm. And I think we've kind of alluded to it. I, I think the entire world knows that Christian right. or not. Um, and, and if they know it's fun, if <laughs> but no, yeah, they know it's fun, but they know, they know there's something, there's oh, something distinct about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and there's, there's, it's more than just, just, something that you enjoy mm-hmm. that there is something to it if, if not then those who are not christians yeah. wouldn't care if their spouse went and had sex with somebody else right, right. it's it's violating something fundamental yeah. uh, and so even if we may not recognize it as it's as uh, as christians would and see it mm-hmm. as this gift from god there is still something about it yeah. that is that that is recognized the world over as as unique, as valuable, as sacred. And it's funny because some people will point, you know, you'll see people say, I laugh about like arrested development on that episode where the therapist says that they're like, our marriage is in trouble. He goes, we should go out and have affairs. She goes, is that work? He goes, no, but it might work for us. We always tell people that, but I, I remember just seeing in the New York post to your point, because I do know that the rebuttal to this from somebody who's not a believer is going to be, well, there's a lot of people that swing now. There's a lot of people that's becoming more common. What's interesting is the New York Post sent, I just saw this the other day, did an article that said 70% of people say that they have a better marriage because of infidelity, because they've had an affair. What's interesting is they, it was kind of a, it was kind of a bait and switch on the article and I clicked it and was reading through and it said, out of these 70% of people, which they hadn't told their spouse. So they're doing this anonymously. Oh, yeah. But they said, we all had affairs and it made our marriage better. But 90% said that if my spouse had an affair on me, it would be devastating and I'd be yeah. done. And so it, to your point, yes, it is absolutely, believe it or not, it is an incredibly important thing. So there's sacred. Yeah, there there is a recognition there yeah. that there is something sacred about the act of sex with mm-hmm. another person. And so... I think that's kind of our starting point as pastors as we're thinking through yeah. you know, how how we address how we respond to this issue 
particularly among young people in the church or who are leaving the church. Mm-hmm. It's it's to recognize that there is this value, and and, and even these young people see it. They they don't yeah. just look at sex as just hey, it's something I enjoy. I'm going to go do it because I want, and it has right. no consequences. It has no value. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just is a thing. Just just if I want to go eat a cheeseburger, it's no different than that. I enjoy a cheeseburger. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Done. To your um, point, they have made mistakes, and they wouldn't think that they made mistakes if it wasn't a big deal. Right, and and so we as as pastors ought to think about this uh, mm-hmm. in in that light. That yeah. listen, we have this fundamental, this common ground that there is something valuable about it. Absolutely. So now let's talk about how we respond to it when, when well, before we get to talk about how we respond to mistakes that are made. Part of what we are failing at in the church is talking about it at all. Right. Uh, we don't teach about it. We don't We don't teach what the Bible has to say about it. And, you know, if, if we are not teaching mm-hmm. our church, particularly our young people, if we're not teaching them about sex, someone yeah. else is going to. And so well, the, we need to make sure we yeah. are presenting a biblical case for the beauty of sex. Well, I think <clears throat> from the pulpit, you know, pastors, you need to know that there is not, there's from the pulpit, so... If you want your church to know what they value, then it's got to come at one point and consistently from where you're preaching. So because you can't, and we used to talk about that for, as a student pastor, I'd say this this part of our church is really important. And I, depending on the church I was at, I can mark the level of, of importance people gave it from if the pastor would talk about it. And your people need to hear you preach and teach that they need to be talking about in their home. To, to Michael's point, and what I think is so incredibly important for us is that somebody will teach your child about sex, and it's either going to be you or it's going to be somebody who plays by zero rules and does not care. That's why now, you, if you're not having a conversation at 10 years old with your child, at least about the rudimentary understanding of sex, then you are way behind the boat mm-hmm. And because the world wants to get to your kids, and the enemy wants to get to your kids as quick as they can. And I don't know, I watch... I've watched, I'm so frustrated by this, and I've watched this for so many years, kids that the world attacks them, and then and I get, as as pastors, that's your plight, um, mm-hmm. that you, it's like, you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, you preach it, people are angry at you. You don't preach it, you're watching people hurt and suffer. And I, I would tell you that the other big side of it is, and this is whether you're a pastor or not, uh, parents, fathers have an inordinate amount of influence mm-hmm. in their homes. It's statistically proven. If you don't like that, get over it. Go read the stats. That's just how it is, and it's, it's just a true statement. And so, dads, your kid, your boys need to see you not checking out every woman that walks by, not closing your laptop when they walk in. They need to see you leading and talking about it. And if you're embarrassed by it, good. Push through that and mm-hmm. talk to them about how important it is. And dads, your little girls need to see how a woman is treated. So do your boys. They also need to be treated well. So much of sexual brokenness and and hurt happens from girls that do not have a genuine and loving relationship from a male in their life. Like, and I think it's great to chase some guy off with a shotgun if need be, but I think it's more important that your girl be able to say, "No, you don't treat me well because my dad taught me how I should be treated." Yeah. And so, and that's as we get into this, I would just say everything always. You need to check out Stephen Bell at Nonstop Families, who does stuff with us as he helps parents do this. But discipleship in your home really is as simple as having the conversations you need to have yeah. with your kids and with your wife about things. It's just, it's, but your children will not. 
they will do less than probably than what you teach them. And if you're not showing them how you should exist, and you're not teaching them what sexuality looks like, then you know you might as well just stop being their parents and give them over to the world to do it. Yeah. And that's what a lot of parents are doing. Yeah. So, Pastor, uh, you know, you you have the difficult task of walking that that thin line. Yeah. Between correction and and acceptance, right? Like we we have to be able to um, correct and and explain kind of with that prophetic voice of of our calling that this is what God's word teaches. This is how we ought to live. This is how he wants us to behave and what he wants us to do and how he wants us to think. Uh, And at the same time, when we don't measure up to that, because Spoiler alert, we're not going to measure up to that. <laughs> Ever. Uh, we have to be willing to to accept people who have made yeah. those mistakes and help guide them back to a place that, that is acceptable, that, that not acceptable, that is yeah. um, in alignment with the church's teaching on, on sex and, and any subject matter for, well, for that case. Well, you go deep on it, too. But, I mean, there's a deep, rich teaching there. Yeah, and, and so pastors... One, make sure you're teaching about sex in, right. in a biblical, from a biblical framework. You, your entire church, young or old, yeah. needs to know what the Bible has to say about sex because if you don't teach them, they're going to learn it somewhere else. Right. Um, number two, that we are bold enough to stand up and and proclaim what mm-hmm. God's word says. Mm-hmm. That we're not going to water it down and just say, "Hey, it's okay, do whatever you want to do." Yeah. That we're going to take a, a bold stand and teach what the Bible has to say about it. Number three, that we are going to learn how to, if we're not already doing this, accept those who have made mistakes in a way that says, I don't condone what you are doing or what you have done. I don't think that's God's best, but I love you. I care for you. We are here for you as a church, and and we are going to help you um, work through this and whatever the consequences of that sin is, which yeah. it is sin. I mean, it's it's more than sure. just a mistake. It's it's sin. Let's call right. it what it is. Sure. Going back to the boldness piece. No, nobody but, just fell into somebody else. Just throwing but, <laughs> yeah, it's not a, I tripped. A and mistake then we got in terms pregnant. of an accident. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so those are the three things I, I think that we ought to be looking at as pastors yeah. in terms of this particular reason why young people mm. are leaving, and if we're doing these things. Then, then I think young people are going to recognize that hey, th- this is a safe place for sure. me. Because I mean, one of the things this says is that they are uh, young. Uh, young Christians are as as sexually active as non Christian peers. Right. So they're they're already doing this. Yeah. And my suspicion is it's because they're not being taught not to. No, not at home, not from the public. But here's let me. Or ask not, you, they're not being taught why they shouldn't. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's that's it. If you know why, and and but let me ask this. This is somewhere where I struggle too as a pastor and uh, walking through these situations. But you know, you're, we're talking about walking a thin line, right? And yet we live in a culture of extremes that are trying to pull you one way or the other. And and maybe there's a lot of apprehension from a pastor, like there is for me when you step into a situation. Where so one example had a college, a couple college students um, at a, at one ministry got pregnant before they were married. I was not very close to them. They had kind of about graduated when I got there, but I remember seeing this post because they went to church. Clearly, um, they clearly were having sex because she was pregnant. And but the post was rather than walking through and saying, you know what, and they didn't have to post this, but just rather than saying this was not a good thing 
that we got pregnant. However, we love this baby. We got to love that. And God can redeem it and work through it. The statement was, oh, not how we would have planned it, but so thankful God's plan was that we're pregnant. No, God's plan is not that you would be pregnant before marriage. And, but, and then on the other side of that, though, constantly, you know, when a single woman is pregnant and you try and say, hey, listen, you know, they go, well, my baby's a miracle. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All life is, is a miracle. But there's got to be an understanding there. And maybe how do we, how would you say that we approach that to say, listen, your, yes, your baby's a miracle, but you need to understand there are consequences and it's going to be a lot more difficult. It's going to be, there's going to be baggage for your child that they don't have a father that's there. They got to deal and wrestle with mm-hmm. that or a, or a mother or whatever that may be. There is baggage there. There's going to be, it's going to be a lot more difficult to take care of your child and teach them and lead them. And so within that, we are here for you to walk along with you. But I don't know, I, maybe that's, that's just a hard issue. But to me, it's a really hard line to walk and say there is to show both grace I don't think it's a hard line for God. I don't think it's a hard line to see it, but to help people in a culture that is like, you don't think you think there's something wrong with what I did, then you're condemning me. No, we don't think that at all. But you've got to acknowledge certain yeah. ram- certain outcomes, yeah, certain you, consequences. You have you have to have both grace and truth in there, yeah. right? And so, or what's a good way to justice and love? I mean, I think with what you, the examples you just gave, one of the things we need to do that there's some theological instruction or some education yeah. in there sure. about God's will and God's plan and things that we need to, to understand that God's never going to plan for you to <laughs> right. sin. Uh, that's, that's not Seems part counter of the plan. Seems counter to James um, <laughs> and most of the Bible. And yet at the same time, no one should ever look at a child born out of wedlock <laughs> right. as a punishment. Right. Uh, that's Probably the worst thing you can do, <laughs> right. uh, because every child is is a miracle. Every child is a gift. Children are a blessing, and yeah. and that and that's just the fact of it. And part of why but, I say that though is that that eventually grows into parents who go, "Well, I got pregnant out of marriage too. I guess I can't say anything to you." And I watch because there is a there's a certain amount of shame there from knowing something was yeah. wrong, but not knowing that it was wrong, and so. I just, I get, and I feel for pastors, I struggle with it too, of like, listen, I I don't want people to feel like their child was, I don't even know. I think the mistake was that they, the actions they took were the mistake. The child is a blessing because new life is a blessing, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, you know, you'll see those people go, well, it's just so hard and people aren't nice to me and, or not nice, that's different, but it's just so hard and I have to work really hard. Well, yes, Mm -hmm. that is part of the consequence of what's happening. Right. And well, I can't find anybody who wants to date date me and and be a stepdad. Well, okay, I get it. But that's not always something somebody wants to walk into. Yeah. So there are sides of sure, that. There, that it's, there are consequences yeah. to it that aren't a direct reflection. And on I don't think that's a first conversation child. situation. When they're yeah, talking. no, 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 probably not. No. Um, <laughs> but maybe over time, as we're talking and teaching, those are important distinctions to make that can allow people to both. I mean, because it's not just sex. This is life in general. This is the people. This is all of us that that we see that our, our internal and, and broken side will go, we got to hide everything. Yeah. And, and most of what I see in culture is trying to turn something that there is shame or a consequence about, no matter what it is, and trying to turn that into a pride statement of like, well, I, I do have two houses and one needs to sell, but I'm just an investor, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And so 
I, all that to say, pastors, we are here for you. If you, if you are struggling in this area, uh, we want to struggle with you. And so shoot us an email, put a, put a comment in Jenna. We're still waiting for a response from your comments. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I think Jenna just wants to make comments, but I would love to see her talk. So if you watched the video this far before you said something, please respond. Cause we want to talk with you. We love it. Um, uh, but please respond, like subscribe, um, the mad pastors, uh, want to grow and we are growing. And so we're excited to see what God's doing. So anything else? That's it. That's All it right. for me. See y'all. Love y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast. Mad Pastors is powered by G6 Allies, who knows that healthy ministry means having the right team behind you to provide worthwhile tools so ministry doesn't destroy you. If you'd like to partner with G6 Allies, here's a couple of ways you can do it. One, you can rate, subscribe, and review this podcast so that as many people as possible can get the same help and encouragement that you're receiving. You can also visit g6allies.com partner to see how you can financially partner with us. G6 Allies is dependent on viewers and listeners like you to support our ministry across the nation. If you have any questions or would like to contact the Mad Pastors for any reason, you can contact us at hello at g6allies.com. We'd love to hear from you.